It's a pleasure to have you on the show. How's your year been, and how's how's everything been in twenty twenty three? Well, it's only it's only January. No, it's not. It's February. There you go. <laughs> already... I'm losing track of time. Yeah. Um, what have we got? So, as I said, I've um, I've had to I've done some trailers. I had to read that book. Um, I'm yep. doing another series of a thing called Wing Feather. Um, that's an animated series, and that's a bunch of voices as well. And how do you keep so, track of all these projects that you got? Do you because you've got so many voices in the bank, as we can see from Hogwarts Legacy. But how do you do? You have a list somewhere where you're like I can pull this one out. This <laughs> how do you do? You know how, what I mean? Uh, yeah, well, um, one clever way of doing it is if you do impersonations, which I do. I used to do a series called Spitting Image in England in the old days, in the 80s. So um, if you're thinking of, say, uh, you think, well, you know, it might be a kind of Vincent Pricey voice. So you take that kind of, you know, um, well-spoken campness and you, you, you'll change it a bit. It's like uh, I've said before, um, Homer Simpson mm. was originally based on, uh, on Walter Matthau. Felix, you're the only man I know with clenched hair. So he started like that, honey, I'm home. And then slowly morphed it into, hey, my name is Homer Simpson. Um, Shit, uh, Chief Police Wiggum was, was based on, um, and yeah, Edward G. Robinson. Um, but I suppose you know wow. a lot of this generation won't know who these. No, people I don't are. know who they are. But I, yeah, I didn't know that that was true. Uh, yeah. So you, uh, but um, what I mostly do is it'll be uh, the character, uh, the character description, uh, and then the physicality, because you know if if someone is um, a big gross kind of fellow you're not going to give him a squeaky little voice are you <laughs> you know i suppose the yeah. exception was uh, when i was growing up um uh, i read as a kid that you know marlon brando was the greatest actor that ever lived and i saw pictures in the paper and then the first time i saw him in a movie you think oh there he is and then this uh, squeaky little voice came out and you thought it doesn't match mm. you know but that's the interesting thing about that period. If you look back, which you won't do because people don't watch black and white movies anymore. But I try to. I try then, to. An actor had a vocal signature. So you mm. look at John Wayne, and there was that John Wayne voice. You look at Jimmy Stewart, he had his own, you know, signature voice. Um, Humphrey Bogart, obviously. That plane leaves the ground and you're not with him. Um and so it gave it an extra dimension. If you look at actors now, vocally, you can't really tell one from another. And why is that? Why, why has it become like that, do you think? Is it more about appearances these days? I don't, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. But, it, uh, yeah, it's happened from the 60s onwards. And, and that's now part of the problem with animation. When I was growing up, um, you had your bug bunnies, so there was Mel Blanc and, uh, you know, hey, what's up, Doc? And, uh, uh, and you'd go and mimic these people in, uh, at school. And so you mimicked the, uh, the voices. And so, uh, as I say, Yogi Bear, um, Popeye, whatever. Um, but now the onus on virtually everything is to be what I call over-naturalistic to the point of being dull. So animated movies now don't have Mel Blanc or character actors um, that suit the part. Um, you have famous people that don't know how to characterize a voice. So they'll get Robert De Niro or um, somebody like that. And they just speak as if they were in a movie. And it's I'm, uh, I'm curious. And so now if you were re if you're reading the specs that, that I get mostly for uh, animation and stuff, it says non-cartoony, non-cartoony. And obviously there were people that um, had, had to sound uh, 
I wouldn't say non-cartoony, but we'll say more like uh, regular people. But um, as it's sort of, uh, and I mean, everything is subject to um, subject to change uh, and vogue. But um, I think the generation now that is doing animation and voice work, um, it's become over-naturalistic. And so how do you... And actually, I would, I would apply that to, uh, to a lot of movies as well, uh, because now, uh, I mean, in the 30s and 40s, when uh, microphones weren't that good, you got all that declamatory stuff. Why, come in, Mr. Johnson, sit down, let me take you. Would you like a drink? Because, you know, <laughs> uh, it was yeah. still declamatory. But now everything almost seems to be... Everybody seems to be talking on breath, you know. <laughs> hey, come in, sit down. So you met with Frank. What's he say? Okay, I'll do that. You know, it, it's um, yeah, it 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 it's it's fad and fashion. But you know, I grew up watching people like people like Peter Sellers, Alec Guinness, oh, and yeah. um, uh, and so you know, it was that kind of characterization that uh, was great. I mean, you still watch films like Dr. Strangelove and, you know, it wouldn't happen now. You wouldn't get an actor to do no. all those voices. Um, you, you might with Guinness when he did Kind Hearts and Coronets because he was playing uh, the whole of the family. But I think, I think, it, I think it diminishes, you know. Do you think there'll be uh, a resurgence I, I, eventually? Um, no, because, um, you know, it's, it's moving forward. It's not moving backwards. The other, the other thing is that, you know, decades ago, there were, what, two, three television channels. Um, there yeah. was just public radio. Now there's, there's hundreds of them, if not thousands. So... Uh, the product has to get diluted. The costs have to go down. And um, if you look on IMDb with some of these old actors, it was amazing what they were paid. You know, it's like uh, Elizabeth Taylor getting a million dollars in uh, to do Cleopatra uh, in the 60s, uh, 61, 62. Which is unheard of back then, isn't it? Yeah, but you paid these people because you got bums on seats. Now, I can't think of one actor that I would say would open a movie. Maybe Tom Cruise. People might still go and see a Tom Cruise movie, but not in the way that they did when you went to see, I don't know, in the 40s, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's a, a Cary Grant movie. Or, or, do you think, uh, do you you think the movie stars died because of social media and now the access we get for these actors compared to back of the day where they were a bit of a mystery? Is that what it is? Or is there other factors at play, do you think? Well, I think it's to do with what we always refer to as a golden era. You know, they talk about the golden era of television, radio and films. I, I think when any new industry comes along, um, and it probably applies to painting as well, um, you know, like with the impressionists and things, but when something new is discovered, there seems to be such a huge uh, burst of creativity um, and, uh, and descents. If you look at what uh, they were doing in the 30s, very, very quickly with movies, with sound, you know, Busby Barclay and uh, what they were doing technically, it happened in a twinkling. Mm. And uh, the thing to remember is that with the, the silence uh, and then the movies themselves, the cinematographers and the everything was about composition uh, and lighting, and so now it's it's different. I was watching uh, a thing on the bead the other day, and I thought, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Um, I thought, why don't you why don't you keep the camera still and move the actors around? Um, and so often to give it that sense of immediacy, uh, it's 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 like a uh, the filming is like a, a monkey with a pogo stick clutching an iPhone. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's, they stick it up in the nose and you go, whoa, whoa, hang on, I don't know where we are here. Um, 
And on television, obviously, the, well, the screens aren't that small, but on the big screen, you go, oh, no, it's giving me a headache. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm showing my age here, isn't I? Hey? Well, no. I'm doing you, all you that. Actually, oh, it's, it's not like it was when I was a lad. It's oh, funny no, because we used to make have to make our own fun with a bat and a ball. <laughs> you kids, you don't have your. I can tell when a film's shot uh, shot on film, and I think it gives it this authentic feeling. I, I I don't know what it is about it. I just prefer it when they're shot on thirty five millimeter or whatever it is over these digital cameras. It just yeah. Well, do you agree? Kind of, they've kind of stopped doing it. Yeah. Well, because the thirty five mil or even sixteen mil. That was what it was doing was simply taking literally a reflect a reflection. So it was reflected onto a mirror and then bounced onto the uh, onto the film, which is what silver halide or something. Whereas mm. digitally, you're not going to get the same depth of field. I know it's uh, it's amazing. And so when I watch old films, um, it is a totally different experience. But. Um, with the present generation, you accept the reality of the world you're born into, so they will accept that as the the norm. I can remember yeah. years ago when it used to be videotaped with filmed inserts. Uh, I was amazed that you'd speak to people and they'd say, no, I can't tell the difference between film and video. And you go, yeah, but it's so obvious. But so there you go. So talk to me, you were born and raised in Scotland. When in your career did you make the jump to the United States? Because I know that's where you where you reside now. I'm, I'm curious, how has your journey got you to L.A.? Uh, well, yeah, I was born in Scotland. We moved to uh, London uh, when I was seven. And then... Um, yeah, you slept around, you're growing up. I left school at 15 um, and uh, sold classified advertising, sold double glazing. Uh, so I was a door-to-door salesman for my sins. Uh, and then I, uh, it's a very strange thing. I, I don't know why, but somebody smashed into my car. So um, I couldn't couldn't kind of work and I was left at home uh, and for some reason got introspective and thought, well, I was was 22 at the time and thought, well, what do I want to do? And I thought, you know, I think I'd like to try and be an actor. So I, um, yeah, I applied to, uh, I applied to uh, some drama schools. RADA had closed, Central had intake, and um, so I auditioned. And the strange thing is, at that point, I'd never seen a Shakespeare play. I didn't know who Chekhov was. But my uh, wife at the time, she, she was American. She had a BA in English Lit. And she sort of took me through the audition pieces. And um, uh, if it hadn't been for that, I don't think I'd have got in. So then I went to drama school and then did how, how theater old were you and all the rest point? of it. How old were you at this hmm? point? Well, I felt I was ancient because everybody else was sort of 18, 19. I was 22, so I was 23 when I w- went to drama school. Oh, right. So still young, yeah. No, it doesn't feel like it, <laughs> especially if you've been working since you were 15. Um, and um, So you felt like you had uh, a disadvantage right from the get-go. I felt I always felt I was catching up, mm. but then I look back uh, and I'm amazed at how young uh, I look because or looked. Um, uh, there's um, a series I did in Los Angeles in '82 called The Optimist uh, has been revived and there's a box set coming out in April, but we shot it in Los Angeles and it's all silent. Um, uh, but I look back at 32 uh, with, uh, with bleach blonde hair and you think, oh my God, you did look young. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, then, you know, I think for the first three years out of drama school, working at the Manchester Royal Exchange with people like Tom Courtney, Albert Finney and all the rest of it, um, 
it was all period pieces, but I think I was always doing funny voices. I'm not sure, but... Because um, you were on Whose then, Line Is It Anyway back in the day, is that right? Yeah. 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 Great yeah. show. I, 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 um, I sort of happened into voice work, and the guy who'd written The Optimist... Um, was a guy called Richard Sparks, and he was uh, pals with John Lloyd because he wrote for Not the Nine O'Clock News and stuff. So when he was doing Spitting Image, he said, you got to listen to this guy. So I must have been doing, I must always have been doing funny voices. Uh, and then when Spitting Image kicked in, then that coincided with voiceover work. And um, so that took up sort of 84-ish, and then I did a play in the West End called Me and My Girl, a musical for 18 months, after which I, I swore I'd never go on stage again. <laughs> um, and then after that, uh, existed in the voiceover world. And it just, because Spitting Image coincided with uh, this huge burst in, in people wanting impressions. At 2004, I, I'd always wanted, after filming with The Optimist, always wanted to uh, to sort of work in the States and uh, and try it and become a movie star. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I had a house here in the early 90s and just kind of got sick of the British weather uh, and schlepping into London uh, and being damp and cold. So I thought I'd try it. And, you know, so I've been here, what, 15, 20 years nearly? No, over 50, yeah, something like that. Wow, and uh, uh, yeah, and I'm still still going, and still going strong. I mean, with Hogwarts Legacy, that you're one of your recent projects. I think you voiced over twenty characters, and I'm just curious, how many, many of them do you remember? For one, and how much fun did you have working on this project? Because I know you've done over fifty video games, but I don't think you've ever done a game with this much character work. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, no, um, uh, and it's it's because um, they wanted uh, they wanted characterization. But the thing about doing voice work, or I suppose anything, is, uh, and this is why you'll find people like Spielberg use jobs for the boys. It's because there's a shorthand, and if people can give you what if you can give them what they want very quickly and efficiently um it takes an awful lot of hassle out of it you know whether it's uh, a visual actor or a voice actor so if they say you know can you do this can you do that uh, and you can it saves an awful lot of time so um i, I think that's why in this instance it uh, it happened but then there aren't many games that have this number of voices anyway, are there? No, not at all. I mean, this game has like a hundred characters, I would say. So, but but also, but mostly actors will will operate within a, a certain range. Um, so there'll be actors you get because of you know uh, their the, uh, the resonance or, or um, but but it, it, I think most, a lot of it is to do with. Uh, with shorthand, when I first started doing voiceovers, it was all on tape. So there wasn't any of the digital stuff. So what you needed was someone that could grasp it, get on with it, um, and then get out as efficiently uh, as possible. And so there was a hell of a lot of skill involved when it when I first started because you'd be doing a commercial and they'd say, yeah, that that take was 18 and a half seconds we want 19, so you've got half a second to spare, and you 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 do it. So it was like having a stopwatch. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Over the <laughs> over the three years, they just kept coming back. <laughs> so, what was the first character? Do you remember the first character you went in for that game? Was it was it Abraham Rowan? Was it Ollivander, uh, Percival, Rackham, Solomon? Salo, these are just remember. some of the characters that you've that you've done on this game. Yeah, what was the first Deep. one you mentioned? 
Deke's one of my favorites. But Deke, I have Deke to was say. One, of the, one of the first sessions, as I said, that would have been 2019. Uh, I didn't pay much attention. Yeah. Because you go in and out, because normally um, a game, there'll just be a session or two sessions, um, uh, a couple of characters, and, uh, and away you go. Um, but this is, this is a very long project. It really surprised me. Tell yeah. me, I also wanted to know about Alfred in, in Batman's Telltale game. Do you remember working on that? Because that was a fantastic game. I'm just curious, uh, had a great yes. cast. Yes, I'm that was, that was that. strange because that was, that was, uh, that was like, uh, that was like being in a, in a, a monthly radio play because uh, they put it out on, um, they put it out every month, didn't they? Exactly, yeah. yeah one every few was, months, yeah, one episode. Yes. Yes. Um, so I can't, I can't remember the voice now, but it was, um, yeah, that was that was great fun. Yeah, no, no, what I'm saying is I can't, I can't remember. Oh, uh, how, you, how you, yeah, how you yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could probably but pull it, it up, been, actually. Let me know if you can, let me know, <laughs> let me know if you can hear this. But what I, no, no, that's not me. That's Troy. Encrypting your signal. That's Troy, yeah. The last thing we want is for him to know you're here. That's you, yeah? Oh, yes. Last thing we want to know is you're here. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So but did you that, work with why... Troy in the booth, or how did that work? I've had him on the show. He's um, he's a great guy, but I want to know what... I, I, I only worked with him once because you... Uh, so you just record your parts. It's never, it's never with another actor. Well, the only time in America, the only time I've worked in the person you're talking to is there, um, is uh, when I did Postman Pat. And strangely enough, Postman Pat, which is <laughs> a British thing, was, um, was done in America. Um, and the only time with a major animation that I've worked with another actor was when I was doing Corpse Bride. And the, because I did a scene with Helena Bonham Carter because um, she found it difficult just to be talking to somebody that wasn't there. Because, you know, if you're an actor, a total body actor, the person you're speaking to is there. And I did used to find it strange because it's, um, it's reciprocal. The way you respond to somebody is, is, you know, if somebody asks you a question, how you respond uh, is dictated by, um, uh, by their question. So when there's nobody there, um, it, I mean, it seems to work fine for them, but um, I did find it strange at first. You mentioned, you mentioned your work on that film. You've worked, on, you've worked with so many incredible uh, directors over the years, Tim Burton, Steven Spielberg, even I think you were in in the Prestige small role with Nolan. Oh well, no? yes. Now you're stage with Michael Caine, um, and uh, it's I was Workman One, but there was no Workman Two. Um, <laughs> so why also, you, why are you not just Workman? Why are you Workman One? Um, and then um, when I read the script, I thought I didn't see any point in this character. Because it was a workman, you know that funny, that funny pointy thing they had. It sort of came in on a cart, and it was all that. All right, governor, where do you want it? All right, okay, locks are mercy. <laughs> and so um, yeah. I did two days on it, um, which was which was great. You know, there's Hugh Jackman, there's there's as I said, Michael Caine, there's Christian Bale, uh, yeah. Chris Nolan, Chris Nolan. And you're thinking, bloody hell! Um, but those scenes were cut out. No, so, were they? Damn. So I'm not in it. So I, you know, I go to screen and oh. watch it. And go, you're right. Oh, but the, the ridiculous <laughs> no. thing is, if you're in the credits, you get paid. So I've been getting residuals for a movie residuals. that I'm not in. Yeah, that's or amazing. About, what was that? 2006. Yeah, yeah. It's actually then, quite a beloved film too. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. No. It's it's. it's it's a good film. I wish I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, doing Tintin for Spielberg—that was that was oh. a bit upsetting because why? 
um, the Americans don't know who Tintin was. And so if you go to Europe, um, the rest of the world, they love Tintin. And I, I think I just saw that one of uh, Hergé's original drawings, I think sold for something like two million. Um, but there was good. Uh, I played uh, Tintin's butler. I was the butler. And, uh, and um, at the beginning of the film, uh, I'm the old geezer that sells in the boat. It's a man of all that is. It's, you know, all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, uh, working with Spielberg, Daniel Craig, Peter Jackson on the other end of the phone, or Pat Chan, because they were both directing it, I just thought, I just thought, pinch me. Oh, wouldn't you? And, and what about uh, Tim Burton as well? Talk to us about that experience. Um. Yeah, well, I didn't see much of him because the, the problem with Corpse Bride was he was doing that in tandem with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Ah, uh, okay. So um, they so just was there a stand-in director or something? Um, uh, yeah, there was. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was there sometimes, but then there was the, uh, the uh, uh, yeah, I've forgotten the name now. Um, yeah. So um, there was a couple of people directing it. Um, it would be better received, but that didn't do well. Um, when you say better received, Tintin, do you mean commercially, critically? Uh, com uh, uh, commercially. I think with Corpse Bride, I remember thinking when it came out, it only made like about 50 million. I know we're going back a few years. Yeah. And with, uh, with Tintin, because it opened in Europe and um, uh, and elsewhere and took like about, I think, three, four, four hundred million or something. And I remember uh, being in New York at one of the premieres and saying to Jamie Bell, this is doing all right. It's done 400 million or, or something. And he said, it's not for Christmas here in the States. I think it only took, uh, it really surprised me because I thought any, any animation film over Christmas made by Spielberg, people would show up. But yeah. um, it's very strange. Would have been great. I'm wondering, uh, of all these directors that you've worked with, is there an underlying uh, consistency with, with all these directors? Is there something, a quality they all share or a, a personality trait that has made them top of their game um well with christopher nolan i did read that everybody liked working with him because he worked so fast and then again i was amazed because everything was handheld virtually and um he go yeah fine uh, and move on um thing with working with Spielberg was that because it was motion capture, then everything is being recorded. So that was just like doing, uh, it takes all the panic out of it because it's, it's like a continual rehearsal process. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like interdimensional doing that stuff. Um, but you know, Stephen would just say, okay, so uh, no, no, go back and there, let's do that again. And this, yeah, okay, so you do, you know. And so that was, um, that was strange. But um, now, uh, well, what I'd say with all directors, and it applies to voice acting as well as total body, is the really good ones know exactly what they want and they know when they got it. Really difficult ones are people that, aren't really sure of themselves and, and so they say well let's do that again and, and, and do this and do that and you just think oh for god's sake you know we got this half an hour ago that does like a hundred takes uh is it david fincher i'm thinking of well i mean the, the most famous one for that was stanley kubrick really was he yes yeah. Yeah, yeah so um but you get it you get it with voiceovers here um but mostly in the commercial arena. Right. Uh, 
And so, like, in England, a session will be an hour. And, um, you know, that's it. If you haven't got it, I'm out of here. Um, I'm talking about commercials. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of know what they want, and they're stuck for time, uh, and away you go. Here, a voiceover session will be a couple of hours, but they they just seem to be so insecure that they'll say, do it again and do this and do that. Uh, and then they'll put it together while you're still there. So oh, you're really? just sitting yeah, there. That ain't about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they say, okay, so give me the first line from take 17. <laughs> give me that line from take 20. And you just think, oh, for God's sake. Um, and they sound the same to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there was, I, I should have known what Americans were going to be like because years ago when I was in England, <laughs> there was a, a Hershey's commercial and it's it's an American chocolate bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Hershey's, they came to London uh, and they said, look, we want to audition some American actors uh, for this, but we don't want any limeys pretending to be, pretending to be American. So obviously I auditioned for it and uh, I got the job and of course you did. it was, um, and it, you know, it was a squeaky kind of almost, uh, you know, a little um, Dustin Hoffman kind of voice, you know, I'm a peanut, but they don't want peanuts. They want chocolate or whatever it was. That's fantastic. And so, so uh. we went in, we did it. And the director was the, the director was Australian. And we go in, I, I do it, and he directs me, and we go in and we play it back to the board, the Hershey board in Philadelphia. And, of course, they say, yeah, yeah, uh, that's great, but uh, could you just try this and could you try that? And on the second line, could you get them to do this and that? Uh, and I was about to go back in the booth, and the director went, no, 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 stay with them. And I said, well, they said, we'll, uh, we'll just have a chat for 10 minutes and then I'll play the tape back to them again. And uh, that's what we did. So he played. No it back way, and went, really. Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's no. Thanks. There's no way. Yes. That is so. so he, he knew. Oh. He knew the bullshit that uh, that we had to go through, and he, he, as the director, he got what he wanted. That is. He directed the performance. He got it. Yeah. But then these people. Oh. My God, and you talk about clients. I remember once I was doing uh, a commercial for uh, uh, a company called Iceland, which is a frozen food company. Yeah. You know, you stick all the food in your freezers. Yeah. Um, and the client was there, and the uh, the producer came out and he said, "I'm really sorry about this. This is not this is not not my fault. I really do apologize. I'm so embarrassed. The client has done this." And with the script, what the client had done on every word, he'd written a number from one to ten to indicate the amount of stress he wanted on that word. That's unbelievable. So How do you even be, perform you know, that? No, well, you no, can't. I didn't I just said? I said to him, "Look, I, I said, look, now I, I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, I can tell from here which which words you want stressed because." <laughs> I mean, it's what you do in a commercial, you know, <laughs> tomorrow, say Lens Thursday, but hurry, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. you don't say tomorrow, say Lens Thursday, but hurry. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so instinctively, you know, which buzzwords to hit, you know. But why don't they trust the actors? Go, not, you, um, you know? Well, because I call, I was, because the guy that had done it before me, um, hadn't come up with the goods so right. you know they so they become protective yeah. so they got him in and i thought well you know n will be able to do this but you know i said i know which words need to be stressed i, I know the emphasis so let me just try it my way um and mm. i got rounded that way but that was oh, that's brilliant. yeah one to ten that's yeah. even that other one you said the hershey that is it just goes to show there's i don't know is it egos involved yeah, well, they just have to have their final say. You know what I mean? There has to be some sort of critique. It can never just be, it's good. Uh, yeah, but then so much is overproduced. I was doing, a, I was doing a, 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 an on-camera thing called The Thundermans for Disney. 
a few years ago. And when we're recording, I looked over, and I'm not kidding, there were like eight chairs, eight of those, you know, those director's chairs with eight, eight bums on them, all on phones, and they were producers and associate producers and whatever. And you just think, what the hell? What are you here for? You know, and they just had to put in their tuppence worth to justify being there. So everything, so much stuff is overproduced and there's just mm. uh, too many cooks. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Going back to Ooh. Hogwarts, so you mentioned you were going to do motion capture originally, but then COVID got involved, I guess. Was there any facial uh, yeah. capture at all? Um, no, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, no, because then, you know, then they had to go to Canada and it was all... Uh, it was all messy, um, but that that would have been that would have been fun. Because you originally um, you had done motion capture before on on Tintin on Tintin. Tintin yeah. was motion capture. Yeah. So yeah. can Get you me. indulge me, and if I pull up an image of a Hogwarts character, will you relive the voice? Is that possible? Can we play this little game because I I want oh, people to see I... I want people to see that the range that you actually have. All right, first one. Oh, yeah. No, Deke likes that. Thank you. What can Deke do for you? No, thank you very much. That was Deke, yeah. Him I remember. <laughs> okay, yep. Okay, next one. Abraham Ronan, the Professor of oh, Charms. Yes, that was the Professor of the Charm School. Okay, today we are doing charms, and this was a kind of Middle Eastern guy. He was more <laughs> like this. You are doing very well. Thank you. That's right. That's Gerbold Ollivander. And here we have one made of applewood. But I think what you need is cedar. So I'm going to take this twig and I'm going to stick it up your bum. <laughs> That's you see. That was that was just shades of John Hurt. Yeah, I can I can see that. Percival Rackham. No, I was Percival Rackham, was he, I think, yes, I think he might have been quite like this. I'm not absolutely sure. I yeah. think there were shades of Richard Burton there. You know, the elves and the goblins and all those sort of people come over here. Yeah, I'm going to do all this and all that. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. the um, the goblin banker? Um, yeah. I think the Goblin Bank, I think that, um, I think that might have been, yeah, because every time I think of Goblin Voices, I think of, yes, all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rip your liver out through you. Now, this is probably, might be my favourite of yours, Solomon. You remember this guy? This was, this was a great little storyline in the game as well. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think Solomon was... Um, I think he was uh, a bit of a northerner and I, I think he was really gruff and very upset with his kids. Very Am upset I right? with his nephew, yeah. 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 Yes, there you are. Ooh. Yeah, that was that was really I couldn't believe that was you either because that that's a pretty big storyline in the game, I got to say. Eddie Thistlewood. Oh, um yes. No, I I think Eddie Thistlewood um Yes, because his sister, I, I think Eddie Thistlewood was really quite well-spoken and um, just a, a little bit deferential. Oh, no, the um, the Dark Wizard was... Uh, uh, at first, when, yeah, when I did The Dark Wizard, I thought it would be, you know, shade and ethereal. But I said, no, The Dark Wizard, it was, um, it was all like that. Yeah. Oh, it was really gross. Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm giving so. you a giving you a curveball here. Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. Hey, that's right. Scrooge McDuck. I did that too. Oh, where's my wee ducks? Yeah. Louie, Louie, and Chewie. Actually, oh, man. before I did him, it was... No, yeah, yes, oh. yes, yes. No, I, I've been Scrooge McDuck. Yep. Yeah, that was I'll in Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts. Otto Dibble. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Otto Dibble. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Otto Dibble. Mm. Uh. One of my favourites was um, Al Pacino. 
Oh, yeah. Forget about it. Oh, that's good. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Can you go back to, can we get the Dustin Hoffman one as well? That was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Well, you know, there's a difference because a young Dustin Hoffman is kind of like that. And, you know, he was squeaky and, you know, it's like you're nodding his head all the time. But now he's he's got kind of, he became kind of gruff if you listen to... Um, he did, yeah. Kung, Kung, Kung Fu Panda is kind of like, a, yeah. which I, I can't do. <laughs> now you croakiness. Really uh, but that's what I used to say oh. about about Al Pacino as well. If you watch things like Dog Day Afternoon, a film you may or may not have heard yeah. of, or The Godfather, yeah. you know, then there's a kind of, I need the money for Leon's operation. You know, it's um, it's kind of breathy, but it's up there. But not old. And uh, yeah, voices change. Oh man. Some of them do. What a pleasure to have you on today. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Um, can I Can I just ask what, what your advice would be to any upcoming voice actors or actors and people in the creative realm? I know there's so many things you could give them um, in terms of advice, but maybe just one thing that they can take with them today. Just uh, do your best and hope for the best. Do your best and hope for the best. I like that. Yeah. Uh, And uh, that, that's it, because the business is so subjective. I mean, you'll agree with me here, there are certain actors that you just can't bear watching. There are certain people that just think, oh, no, not him or her again. There are people, oh, yeah. uh, and it's it's Definitely. totally subjective. You, go, you think, oh, not that arsehole. Why did they cast him? <laughs> you know, and, you know, other people you're just warm to. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, you know, so the whole business is uh, is um, it's totally subjective. And as somebody said, um, what you need what you need in this business is long fingernails to be able to hang on in there, <laughs> because uh, it's the insecurest profession in the world, and it attracts the insecurest people. But just because there isn't an actor that hasn't been rejected. Um, until a consensus or whatever and then when um when they garner fame then they cast them in everything and what was it it's the uh, the five stages of an actor it's uh who is tom cruise get me tom cruise get me a tom cruise lookalike get me a young tom cruise who is Tom Cruise? <laughs> those are the five. Those are the five yeah, stages of yeah. an actor. It's so except with away. me. Yeah. Except with me, yeah. it's who is N. Rytel? <laughs> who is N. Rydal? Who is N. Reptile? Who is who? No, uh, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so, mate. Hey, not many people I know. You don't play video games or anything, but not many people can say they've done 50 different video games across three decades. I mean, that is pretty damn amazing. Uh, well, well, I don't. You just, um, yeah, you just keep going. You just do your best and hope for the best. Yep. You chuck your hat in the ring and <laughs> I hope it doesn't get, get trod on. <laughs> what, what does that mean anyway? Throw your hat in the ring. I've got to look it? that up now. Do you know that? Do you know that maxim? Well, I, have you heard that one? Wouldn't it be uh, throwing the white towel? I know that one. But no, that yeah, throwing it, throwing in the towel. Why would you throw the hat the in the ring? Yeah. Let me look yeah. it up quickly. You see, when you get, you get to my age, you've got all these ridiculous maxims, but you don't actually know what they mean. Is it is it, is it that you're that you're second through the hat in the ring to? Oh, in 1805, oh. issue of the Sporting Magazine, go. Belcher appeared confident of success in a boxing match, so he would throw his hat in the ring as an act of defiance to his opponent. So it is. There you go. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, no, not at all. I mean, the other thing you have to remember is that most people's favourite subject is themselves. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, before I let you go, there was one thing I just wanted to 
touch on where, where you said that all actors are insecure. Do you do you yeah. are you still insecure? No, I think I've I think I've got over it. But um, you know, the other thing is that virtually every performer either comes from uh, a broken home or uh, a troubled childhood. You look at that. You look at Marlon Brando. His father was an abusive alcoholic. So was his mother. Um, Jack Nicholson. His he thought the person that he thought was his sister was actually his mother. Um, you look at Jane Fonda, who's there recently. You know she had a father that didn't give love. Her mother committed suicide. Even musicians like Eric Clapton um, was the. Uh, single parent again i think it was his sister who he thought was who he thought was his sister was his mother because he was she was uh, not a gi bride but um the product of a, a, a gi um you look at that time sorry to get serious here no, no, no. but just look at the number of people that are performers that come from some kind of uh fractured background because it, it's looking for approbation on uh and, you know, that thing about love me, love me um, on, on, on a wider stage. Yeah. But within that, there will, there will still be people that are doing it because it's it's a job. So it's not 100 percent, but you'd be amazed. You, you just read. Think of all the biogs and things that you've no, read. It's true. And now that you say that's, it, that's yeah. what you'll find. Mm-hmm. Me, my, my parents broke up when I was eight. So, you know there's there's that to look at mm-hmm. uh, my father wasn't around in the early years because he was in the merchant navy so you know you haven't got that uh, it's all to do with bonding and, and all that sort of stuff and yeah and uh, it, it's fascinating it fascinating really but yeah. uh, thank you so much yeah. for taking up the time today and uh, everyone has um, enjoyed themselves and is there anything you wanted to say to the fans of your work from over the years or the fans of Hogwarts Legacy or any of the games you've worked on? Is there anything you'd like to pass on um, to them? Uh, thank you. Thank you for supporting and um, uh, and giving me a continued career. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I hope to keep going. And, um, yeah, I've got uh, still got a few funny voices. Actually, speaking of that, the game I was saying that I'm going to do, Wing Feather, um, I think there's a series. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's an animation series uh, based on a series of books. But I think there's like three or four characters, or maybe four or five in that. Uh, you see on IMDb, but they're yeah. doing some more. And um, have you yeah. got any more games so, coming down the pipeline as well? Um, not that I can think of, but. Um, things mm. pop up as I said. There's there's the wing feather. I'm reading the book. Um, yeah. No, you never know what's going to pop up when. But there's. Um, uh, I don't think there will be uh, a game that goes on for three years like. Uh, well, like, you never um, know. You never like know. Hogwarts. What if they do a sequel? Well, you'll be back. It's. It, <laughs> yeah, it's quite remarkable because th- this time last year, I mean, it was almost like a weekly thing. As scripts were changing and this and that you know well i'll tell you that this this game is one of the best-selling games of the last few years so i would say they're going to do a sequel so some of your characters like deke i would say would probably return which would be great but i mean it's 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 a huge effort isn't it it is it takes years and years this game took them seven years to make yeah and if you, you 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 invest all that and if it's a loser yeah that's it. Yeah. You're done. It costs, but yep. No. But sometimes no. like like this one, they've made all their money back and more within a week. You know, it just depends if the if it's a quality. Really? So it's yeah. a bit like Avatar. Yeah. Yes. I would say, yeah. Actually, speaking of that, with the first uh you did and too. had to you, speak that the Navi. Speak that language, Navi. And oh you had to speak so that language. I was so particular about the pronunciation and I'm saying there thinking this language doesn't exist. It doesn't matter how I say this. 
because it's not like it's not like you know yeah it's not like pretending to be a frenchman and saying you know oh bonjour no no bonjour monsieur comment ça va oh bonjour monsieur yeah, why were they so no, particular no, no. Yes, and I'm thinking the language doesn't exist. Nobody knows what it's supposed to sound like <laughs> apart from the bloke that created it. Doesn't matter. Uh, that's so funny. Oh. Oh. No. oh, God. Yeah, I must have a million stories. Well, when you've been doing it as long as I have. <laughs> um, before I let you go, in, is there anything Deke can say to Dan as we round this one out, mate? No, Deke would like to. Deke would like to help you. Whatever, whatever Dan would like, Deke will do for you. Oh yes, Deke. Deke, Deke is very, very humble and, and and very, very glad to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deke. I love you, Deke. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you, Ed. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Bro. You have a great no, day, and um, and again, thank you so much for the time, and I I look forward to doing this again. Someday, when you're in the next big game. Well, I'll <laughs> I'll have to do something decent for you to uh, be able to call it up because it's <laughs> no good if it's... Oh, I tell you, I, no, just to finish, I'll tell you how crazy yeah. this town is. A few years... There's a chain of restaurants over here called Kea, um, uh, El Pollo Loco. Which Mexican, is, is it, or...? Uh, it's 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 a chicken restaurant, a bit like okay. KFC, but yeah. you know it, it's um, it's chicken. So for about two years, yeah, I was the voiceover for El Boyo Loco. Wow! So what they got was um, <laughs> an English guy doing a pseudo Spanish Mexican accent oh, for this, uh, and I'm thinking, God knows how many Latinos there are in los angeles that could do it authentically but they wanted that kind of uh, you know i don't always drink beer but when i do i drink dos equis. el pollo loco crazy you can taste man that's how that's how daft this town is but you're also pretty damn the, good so <laughs> but i remember being pretty miffed because there was uh, an ad for spam with a british knight and I didn't get that one. <laughs> I think you get that. Yes, let's it, have some spam. It doesn't no, really make sense, no, does it? No. You do El Boyo Loco. Crazy, you can taste. 